0: Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Advisor Journey. I'm your host, Asarte Yarnway. And today we have Adam Grealish on the show with us today. Now, late last year, we introduced UMAs on our platform. So the UMAs are unified managed accounts, and they are available for all of our advisors to use. Now, Adam is the head of investments here at Altruist. He's going to take you through what UMAs are, right? How you can use them and why they are beneficial for all Altruist advisors. You don't want to miss this show. Tune in. Welcome to
1: The Advisor Journey, a podcast by Altruist, dedicated to giving advisors the edge they need with proven RIA growth strategies. Each week, Desarte Yarnway and I will have hard-hitting conversations about the topics that matter most to the modern RIA, how to scale, how to maximize efficiency, and how to effectively reach your goals. It's real advice from people who've really done it, and we're so glad you're here.
0: Welcome to The Advisor Journey. I'm your host, Sarte Yarnway, and today we have our head of investments, Adam Grealis, on the show with us today. How you doing, Adam? Great. How about yourself, Desarte? I'm doing really well. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure to be in the home office, here yeah. in person with you. I feel like last time that we kind of met was over a year ago, briefly at Conference in, yeah. the, in Las Vegas, so it's good to spend some time. Now you're new to LA. How's that been going for you? Great,
1: yeah. Moved here about a, a year and a half ago from the from the East Coast. So absolutely enjoying the LA winters here. Tell you that
0: much for sure. What what has been your favorite part of living in the the West Coast thus far? I would say that
1: one of the biggest ones, and you know, honestly, it goes under the radar. I think is um, when you couple the weather with some of the outdoor options that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something you don't necessarily think about in L.A. as being a place with great outdoors, but there's 10,000-foot mountains in L.A. County. So getting out hiking and just, you know, enjoying all that is uh, uh, something I've definitely enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know that. When I think about hiking and everything, I know about Big Bear, but San Gabriel Mountains before Big Bear, right? So it was really accessible.
1: That's right, yeah. I mean, Mount Baldy, you know, they're skiing there in the winter. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, pretty cool stuff, so...
0: Not bad at all, as I was saying, kind of in the pre-show, being from California, sometimes you don't get to take advantage of everything, right? It's not until you kind of see people that or make friends with people that are transplants that they're giving you recommendations for places that have been in your backyard the whole time. So I will be asking you for the best outdoor (laughs) things to do in L.A. when I'm down here with my family. But uh, before we kind of jump into the meat and potatoes of the show, I wanted to make sure that you were able to introduce yourself to the advisors that are listening to the show today.
1: So I joined Altus about a year and a half ago, uh, leading investments here. Was in fintech, you know, before that at Betterment, leading investments uh, there, and spent uh, 15 years beforehand in kind of more traditional finance uh, from the uh, uh, investment management trading side of things. Um, spent most of my career in New York before. Uh, decamping to the West Coast
0: here. I guess before we kind of get into the main topic of the podcast, how different is it, right, Um, traditional finance from coming to the West Coast and working in the similar field? I remember it had to be maybe 2013, 14, going to work every day, suit and tie, polished shoes. Is that different for you after 15 years of being in Manhattan?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, totally different. And, you know, honestly, one of the things that I think is really cool about working at that intersection of technology and finance is, uh, the exposure to different disciplines that you get. Yeah. So if you're at a bank or an asset manager, it's it's uh, a lot of different flavors of the same thing. You're not working shoulder to shoulder with a designer, with an engineer, with a product manager, uh, with a marketer in the same way that you are uh, in, in the fintech space. So uh, that's really great, I think.
0: Absolutely. I want us to jump into our main topic, which are UMAs, right? We just made a big announcement, I think late last year, about UMAs being on the platform and all the benefits that they have for financial advisors. You and I did a webinar late in the latter part of last year as well. First question for you is what are UMAs for the advisors that may not know? And should advisors be thinking about using them for their own for their own businesses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one just uh Defining the acronym, always, always useful. Finance is just so full of them. UMA, Unified Managed Account. And what does that mean? Is means for one client account, you can host multiple strategies inside of it. And what might that look like? It could be an individual single stock strategy, a more of a direct indexing strategy, or a strategy that includes funds. This can be, you know, in partnership with third-party managers, uh, a sleeve of it, where you're managing your own uh, stocks, bonds, uh, ETFs, and mutual funds. So that's kind of the the core piece is the ability in one account to uh, mix and match strategies. And and really, like, why does that matter? I think the the biggest piece is it's creating a new building block for a financial advisor mm-hmm. to build the right portfolio for the client. Because you know previously you had individual securities, you could maybe roll those up into a fund, a mutual fund, or an ETF. This is kind of allowing that roll up one more level Uh, so you can now have a building block that is an individual strategy. So, uh, you know, U.S. large cap, international stocks, um, bonds, municipal bonds, and having those kind of individual pieces and being able to put them together is, I think, a a powerful
0: tool. Absolutely. From what I remember at being at the bank, largely these come with minimums, right? And I don't think our UMAs have minimums at all
1: that's exactly right uh, you know and even taking a bigger step back I think one thing that you know really motivates me in, in a lot of ways is finding ways to take institutional quality investment strategies things that are available you know in kind of the rarefied airs of the ultra ultra high net worth and making them more accessible via technology like how can we a, a lot of the reason why these why the, a lot of these strategies are only available at these high asset levels is because they've been manual um, yeah back uh, you know historically and us being a technology firm, allowing that technology to decrease the number of man hours to, to do any of this, that's, that's a huge story. And I think a story that we'll see play out broadly in, in the finance space over the next decade. So like bringing that back specifically to, to UMAs, that's exactly right. Most UMA strategies like you know, have half a million, million dollar investment minimums associated with them. And at Altruist, it's essentially zero, zero most of the time, unless a couple, you know, special cases, and then it's a matter of, you know, thousands of dollars. So, and, you know, one question might be, well, how or why? Like, what's the technology that, that allows that? And really, it comes mm-hmm. down to fractional shares being a big piece of that. So, mm-hmm. um, we no longer have to buy for a single stock strategy, single shares of uh, stocks that can be hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, um, you know, you start to get into the limits in terms of uh, dollars that you need to track the strategy. So fractional shares, we can buy uh, to three decimal points of precision. So a, a thousandth of a share of something. Uh, yeah. And that really allows uh, to have, uh, you know, essentially no minimums on these strategies.
0: Absolutely. I think that's important, right? Um, especially for me, because I started with clients that weren't high net worth, Right. And oftentimes there was such a limited amount of things that you can do with these clients, although their risk tolerance or, you know, just their preference might suggest that they might be right for a more complex strategy. Without those assets, it didn't make any sense for them.
1: What you know, one other thing I'd add is we see advisors sometimes because of just the dollar limits associated with not being able to buy fractional shares they have to take the same strategy and create two versions of it. The yeah. high net worth version and the less high net worth version. Um, they're trying to achieve the same thing. They just simply can't because of dollar constraints. So, yeah. you know, this really takes that out of the equation.
0: How would you say that UMAs help advisors to serve their clients better? I think one of the
1: the biggest pieces is the degree of personalization that can, can now be afforded to to any client. Again, coming back to this idea of building blocks, no longer stuck with if you're wanting to use an, an outsourced or, or managed solution for your portfolio, one, all or none. You can take really the best ideas from multiple managers and, and stick them uh, together into the portfolio, kind of a best of breed approach to it. You know, A second piece is you're able to create more pinpoint accuracy in terms of dialing in stock and bond allocations. So if you're Outsourcing your management, you're outsourcing your portfolio construction. Most managers are offering it in either 20 or 10% allocations to equity. So, you know, 90, 10, 80, 20, so on. If you want to dial it in more, you really don't have that choice unless you you have a UMA where you can dial in more bonds, dial in less bonds. Uh, Another good example is you might like a strategy, but, um, you know, prefer a tilt towards more domestic stocks. So you might take that strategy and then layer on top of this uh, increased exposure to to U.S. stocks uh, as another
0: example. I love that. On the platform, right? Can you talk about like how it works for advisors who log in? Some advisors is crazy because I'll talk to advisors like, hey, we have UMAs, but they don't even know where to go on the platform. Talk to us about that, like where you can find it, kind of what you can do on your own via the platform.
1: So there's probably three places, and so it's always, uh, always tough to, to walk through it versus show it. But you know, three places I think are particularly interesting in this case. One is just starting off in the Investments tab, and you're dropped right into all the third party solutions that exist uh, for portfolios. You can learn about them, see the menu of options that that exist. You know, at this point, we have. Hundreds of portfolios that span from strategic, low cost strategic ETF to very dynamic, to active, to ESG focused. So, uh, really, a a number of different things that are going to fit what any individual client might be interested in. So, there's that piece. Then, to actually build the portfolio, you can go to creating a new portfolio. And uh, what you're doing is you're adding different models to that portfolio. So, kind of the, the grammar that that we use is we have models that are collections of securities and portfolios, which are collections of models. So uh, when you're building a portfolio, you can now select from model marketplace portfolios, which are third-party portfolios, or your own portfolios that you've built. So you might, say, pull an altruist direct index and couple that with uh, your favorite uh, active fund manager, and then you might have some high conviction stocks that, that you've built a small model out of. Uh, and then you'll layer in uh, a bond portfolio from a bond manager who you, you prefer, and you know, you're know you off to the races there.
0: Absolutely. I've heard you talk before about the beauty of having choice, right? Like, why does choice help advisors to be fiercely independent?
1: Yeah, I, I love that you, you brought up the term fiercely independent. This is, uh, I I feel like uh, I heard it for the first time at, at Altuost, and it really, mm-hmm. it really struck a chord. And that idea of choice, I think, is, goes part and parcel with it. Um, as an independent advisor, you're running your own business. It's on your own terms. You're not beholden to one one company, one asset manager, whatever it might be. And the portfolios, oftentimes, advisors want to reflect that as well. It, sometimes it feels like something might be a little bit, you know, not exactly where you want to be if if your entire portfolio kind of has one fun family's name on it, right? No a lot of these fund families are doing great things and and you're in a good spot to be there but it might you know might feel like I don't feel like I'm representing exactly this independent mindset mm-hmm. as as much and once you're able to to mix and match uh to to kind of create this best of breed where you know I love what what this manager is doing for equities and I particularly love what this other manager is doing for uh the fixed income sleeve uh, you can really represent that
0: absolutely i find that you know oftentimes clients will ask what i think about the greater state of the market or what I think about the investment portfolios. And I remember early in my career, one of the clients was like, if you're just going to put them in this, right? This is at the bank. I was kind of told that this is what we had to put their assets in. Why am I paying you, right? So the narrative behind the portfolio, your thoughts, your interests, right? And aligning that with what your clients are looking for goes a very, very long way. And I think that by using the UMA platform, you can definitely build something that speaks to you, something that is right or suitable for your clients, and that overall makes sense, right? At a very cost effective, effective price. Speaking of price, uh, let's get into that. How how much does it cost to to use our UMAs on the platform? Yep. Yeah, the
1: UMA itself is that's technology. That capability is native to the platform, mm-hmm. and that which is really cool to begin with. And then, to the extent that any of the strategies that are, you're using have a, a fee associated with that, that's prorated based on how much of that portfolio is associated with it. Very nice in that way that. Uh, To control costs, like you know, say there's a, you you don't necessarily as the advisor want to be uh, spending too much time thinking about core beta exposure. You know, you think uh, you know other managers could probably just take care of that for you, and you you might want to focus on on some other areas where you're adding particular value. Well, you're only paying for the part where uh, where you're taking the other other managers third party portfolio ideas Mm -hmm. and and implementing them. So. You know, I think that's one of the one of the really neat things too. It's very, very cost efficient to to be using this in, in a way to basically take the the average cost of a portfolio and, and uh
0: make it even lower. I got a question that's kinda not on script, but um what's your favorite part about like the most exciting thing that you've seen over your year of being here, right? Because I feel like every quarter we're announcing something that's new and helpful for the advisors. Being a practicing advisor myself. It just excites me when I'm like, have more tools in my toolbox, right? I'm able to do more for my clients. I'm able to deeply serve them. And I can see the impact almost immediately after some of these features are developed and announced. So for you coming from the traditional space, like, how does that make you feel? This has to be like stimulating work because it's not just the same old, same old, but give me your take on it. One thing I often say
1: is like working here is uh, both hugely rewarding, exciting, and also Hugely frustrating in some ways. (laughs) And why is it hugely rewarding and exciting? Because of all the stuff that we're creating. And then why is it frustrating? Because I wish it were all here yesterday, right? So in terms of things that have really been exciting, there's kind of a a thread where we've been thematically uh, expanding our capabilities around, around personalization, around helping advisors develop exactly the right investment strategy for their individual clients and you know that takes a number of different shapes adding more managers and strategies into our model marketplace allowing the mixing and matching of them UMA uh, which is UMA our release of our direct indexing product. Mm-hmm. So um, love it. So uh, being able to to oh. offer the advantages of direct indexing, and then you know I get excited about the further evolutions that are that are coming down the pike for this year. Um, so further personalization around direct indexing, uh, further personalization around tax capabilities. So those are uh, the areas that uh, I've been ex- I've been excited to see uh, manifest themselves, and the things I'm excited to see um, coming down the pike shortly
0: here. Absolutely. When I think about just a platform, what it is and what it will be, I think about how, in the end, advisors can just use our platform for almost everything. Right, right. They'll be able to open accounts, serve their clients, create reports, manage the investments, fee bill, and it just gets easier and more useful. Like every quarter passing. So,
1: one thing that I I think is is pretty neat and and uh, really resonates. We're we're having a. Uh, major product release every two weeks Mm -hmm. so it's you know if you if you don't like where the product is today just wait two weeks and uh you know you you might find yourself loving it and uh you know a minor release in between so the platform is getting better literally every week uh, Uh almost definitionally
0: absolutely favorite part of the podcast rapid fire questions we're gonna go fast because i know you got to get out of here all right so question number one what's the most interesting thing that you've read this week
1: Honestly, it's something I'm rereading. So there's a book I'm reading called uh, The Mom Test. It's about how do you ask questions to make sure that you're building something, uh, building a a product that people actually want and care about? And, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I think this is useful for particularly the advisor audience? Well, there's kind of two main points here. One is try as quickly as possible to go from the abstract to the concrete when you're trying to understand someone's problem and do that through examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second piece is make sure you're deeply understanding that problem before you're thinking of a solution. And I, I think that, you know, probably overlaps really well with when you're first, you know, introducing yourself to a, to a, a client and understanding their financial situation so you can Absolutely.
0: help Next question, from your experience, what are uh, three things? an emerging advisor can do this week to grow their business if
1: you'd give me one other uh, way to answer the question about something that you you read that was interesting something that I watched that was interesting literally last night was uh, a talk by Sam Sam Altman who's uh, one of the Y Combinator mm-hmm. startup uh, guys out of San Francisco and he said if you can make a product that you spontaneously tell your friends about you've done eighty percent of the work to having a successful business and I think that applies to to advisors if you're creating a service for for your clients where they are spontaneously telling their friends about um, how great it is and what a great experience they have. This is something uh, really phenomenal. And I think that's a really interesting prompt in and of itself. And like, there's a number of ways where one might go about doing that. I guess you know, from from my seat, I think about the investment side, something that's very tactical. You know, markets are down off their highs from last year. There's a lot of opportunities to do things specific and down markets around now that Things are closer to their cost basis or below their cost basis, mm-hmm. tax loss harvesting, moving out of investments that are maybe high-fee or that, that your client doesn't necessarily like or aren't, aren't best for them into ones that make more
0: sense. So I think there's some things things around there. Absolutely. Last rapid-fire question for you. What is a new hobby that you started recently?
1: Well, this is a, a hobby I guess I restarted. Um, but uh, a fun fact about the, the office here in Culver City is it's one block away from a, a rock climbing gym, so I've been working on it at least once a week getting getting back into uh, back into the uh, the rock climbing gym, and, and uh, you know to bring it full circle with uh, what we we're talking about earlier. La La has phenomenal rock climbing in the county, and uh, you know some more well known places within you know four or five hour drive.
0: Awesome, Adam. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Advisor Journey. I really appreciate your time, and I can't wait to see all of the new things that you develop over the course of this year. If you're listening to the podcast and like what we talk about, feel free to visit www.altruist.com backslash podcast to subscribe to our show to learn about the new insights that we'll be having along for the journey. Again, this is Arte Yarnway, your host here, and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Advisor Journey by Altruist. Don't forget to like, review, and subscribe for future episodes.
1: Each advisor's journey is different and your results may vary. While we hope you find this information helpful, success cannot be guaranteed. Also, altruists and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice.